0: As we come to this passage, let's um, pray that God will guide us and teach us through it. Father, we thank you for your word to us. We thank you that it provides light in our darkness. Help us as we um, focus on what you're teaching us this morning. Open each of our hearts and ears to hear what you are saying and help me to speak faithfully and truthfully to your word by the power of your spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, we've, um, we're looking at John's Gospel and encounters with Jesus. Uh, last week, we looked at um, Jesus at a wedding in Cana, and we reflected that people often think of Christianity or God as being a bit of a killjoy, as stopping the fun, of being a bit of a party pooper. But here was Jesus at a wedding, at a celebration, at a party, and rather than being a party pooper, he was the one that kept the party going. He turned water, loads of it, into wine, the best wine. Um, God wants to bring us blessing, joy, fun. This is one of the first stories about Jesus that John wants to share with us. One of the things that captivated him and the other followers of Jesus to follow Jesus. And I guess um, that picture of Jesus, that encounter with Jesus, um, might have struck you as a bit of unexpected. That's not the way we often think about Jesus. And in the next story that John tells us, again, um, there's a sense of... um, This is not what we think about Jesus. We often think of Jesus as being um, gentle, peace-loving, nice and yet here we have Jesus coming into the temple, the centre of Jewish religion and he's performing a mini-riot in protest of what's going on. He's driving out the animals, overturning the money-changers tables um, and um, challenging what is going on in the temple. This is not the picture of someone just being nice and gentle and peaceful. This is not the Jesus we might expect. But in this encounter, Jesus is coming face to face with the institution at the centre of the Jewish religion of his day. And it may be tempting to look at this and think, well, Jesus is against organised or institutional religion. And many people today would say that I don't believe in organised religion. I wonder why you think that is. Maybe you're someone who thinks that yourself. Maybe you don't normally come to church or link with a church, but you um, like watching occasionally online. Are you against organised religion? And I guess if you think Jesus is against it, um, then that's rather uncomfortable for me as a, as a vicar paid by the church. But why do you not believe in organised religion? I suspect for some people it's just they don't like getting up on a Sunday morning, but, but actually there are serious reasons, aren't there? There's serious and quite good reasons that touch on real truths as why people reject organised or institutional religion. Let me s- suggest three reasons people might reject it. firstly, people see um, religion or faith as a private matter. It's just between me and God. It doesn't involve anyone else, doesn't need any organisation or institution, it's just my spiritual experience Um, and I don't want to share it or need to share it with others or annoy others with it. It's a private matter. Maybe that's why many people don't believe in organised religion. Or maybe People see organized religion as a means of power, a means of controlling others by using religion. Maybe they think um, it's a means of different rulers down the ages um, to control their populations, or um, of of religious elites trying to get power over others. Uh, People don't want to be controlled by other people, and so they resist this whole idea of organized religion. Or well, a third reason I think many people reject organised religion is because they look at the organised religion around them, they look at the churches around them they think well, they're not living up to the standards that Jesus set. Not, they're not living up to those ideals that he put in place. When you look at institutions of religion they so often a perversion of what they're meant to be. How can we join in with that? Maybe you feel some of these things to some extent. Maybe you outright don't believe in organised religion for some of these reasons. And as you look at Jesus clearing a temple, you think, well, here's an example of him being against organised religion, him being against the work of the temple. But let's look at the temple in more detail before we look at this incident. Let's just do a brief history of the temple itself. Uh, And we can start by going right back to Genesis chapter 28 and um, there Jacob fleeing his brother has a dream and he dreams that he sees a sort of staircase going up to heaven and angels coming up and down the staircase and when he wakes up from the dream he says wow that was awesome this is none other than the house of God this is the gate of heaven and you see, the temple was often described as the house of God. It was seen as, as the gateway to heaven, to God's dwelling place. It was seen as the place you came to encounter God, as Jacob had encountered God in that dream. But then when you go through the story of the Bible, you come to um, the story of Exodus and God rescuing Israel from um, being slaves in Egypt. And they go out into the wilderness, they meet God at Mount Sinai. And there God tells Moses to create a tabernacle, a kind of tent of God, if you like. Um, a tent which represents the, the dwelling place of God. And the reason it was a tent was that it could travel around with them through the wilderness. And it was a sign that God was present with them in their difficulties, in their struggles. Uh, and it, there were sacrifices set up that would happen at the tabernacle. Sacrifices to deal with the, the, the sin, and the rebellion of Israel, to put them right with God and to bring them forgiveness and redemption. The tabernacle was the tent of God, the house of God, the gate of heaven, the place you'd encounter God. And then when Israel was finally fully settled in the land um, and Solomon had become king in Jerusalem after his father David, he built a building, a temple for God. And when he built the temple, he said, well, of course God doesn't live in this building. God can't be contained in heaven, he says. And yet he prays, hear the supplication – that's a posh word for prayer – of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray towards this place. Hear from heaven your dwelling place, and when you hear, forgive. Solomon the temple was a place of prayer a place, a way you want to encounter God, to come to God, to seek that forgiveness, to seek his help through life. And of course, the history goes on. The temple that Solomon built was destroyed by the Babylonians when um, they captured Jerusalem and took the Israelites into exile. And when the Jews returned to Jerusalem 70 or so years later, they rebuilt the temple there, not quite as big or grand as Solomon's. And then... In the years just before Jesus was born, King Herod, the puppet king of Rome in Jerusalem, built, decided to build a much bigger, grander temple there for the Jews, to be the centre of their religion. And it took a long time to build. When Jesus was alive, they'd been building it for 46 years, and it wasn't until AD 63 that it was fully complete. And then, tragically, in AD 70, after a rebellion of the Jews against Rome, Rome came and completely destroyed Herod's temple. All was left is one wall, which is now called the Wading Wall in Jerusalem. Some of you may have visited it. So that's the history of the temple. And Jesus stands in this temple, in Herod's temple, um, still being built, but pretty much mostly there. And and he comes and he comes and has this mini riots, clearing out all those animals that were being sold for sacrifice, overturning the, the tables that the money changers were using to, to be able to convert money to the, the currency they needed to pay the temple tax. And why was he doing that? Was he doing it because he was against organized religion? Did he want to destroy the temple and everything it stood for? Well, no. Look at what he says. He says in chapter 2 um, verse 16. He says, stop turning my father's house into a market. Jesus wasn't protesting against organized religion. He wasn't protesting against the idea of the temple as a house of God. He wasn't protesting against an organization and a place that was there to help people come to God. He was protesting against its misuse, about it being used as a marketplace, as a place where money could be made rather than being enabled as a place where people could come and encounter God, where people could pray to God and find his forgiveness and his mercy. He wasn't protesting against organized religion. He was protesting against the misuse of that religion. And so when we think about it, and and when his disciples reflected on that, they remembered a verse in the Psalm 69, that says, um, zeal for your house will consume me. They saw that Jesus was zealous for the house, for the temple. So what does that say about people's reasons for rejecting organised religion? Well, firstly, Jesus is saying that religion is not a private matter. If religion is just about you and God and not about anyone else, then you wouldn't care if the temple was being run in a bad way. But Jesus cared deeply. Jesus cares deeply about the organisation of religion as much as about the individual and our relationship with God. It's not just a private matter. And secondly, for Jesus it's not a means of power. That quote from Psalm 69, zeal for your house will consume me. I don't know about you, but I often taken that to mean um, like that idea of all-consuming passion. Have you heard that phrase? That's where it's talking about how, how incredibly passionate someone is. And maybe, I always thought that the word consume was talking about how, how zealous Jesus was for the temple. But when you read the verse back in its psalm, the psalm's all about how people are out to get. The psalm is how people are, are plotting against them. And the consume there is what that people are going to do to the one who is zealous for the house. And actually that fits what happens with Jesus, doesn't it? There he is, he comes and he challenges the, the temple authorities about the way they're running the temple. And what do they do in response? Well increasingly, as you read through John's gospel, they become more and more anti Jesus. And in the end they have him crucified. That hatred of him consumes Jesus, it kills him and destroys him on the cross. In a way they demonstrate what is wrong when power of organised religion is used for bad purposes. They use the power they have because of the organised religion to destroy the Son of God. In a way the cross is a condemnation of the misuse of power that arises from organised religion. But Jesus isn't about setting up a religion to gain power. Jesus in going to the cross becomes completely powerless. He gives up all power in order to serve us. And Jesus calls Christian leaders to be those who aren't out for power for themselves but to serve others, to give up their power to help others come to God, to show God's love. The heart of Christianity is the cross, and the cross speaks of service, sacrifice, not power and control. Christianity may have been used and manipulated by by others for the use to bring about power and to control others. But that's not its aim. That's not its purpose. That's not what Jesus was about. Christianity is not a means of power. And finally, Jesus is about reforming the temple. He wants to make sure that people can come to God, that they can encounter God, that they can come and pray to Him, find forgiveness and a relationship with Him and God's help. And so He comes to reform the temple, to drive out the marketplace, to enable the prayer to continue. And if we're to be followers of Jesus, then surely, yes, we look at the church around us. We see a church that often fails to live up to God, almost always fails to live up to God. It always has. And yet rather rather than giving up on the Church, like Jesus, he calls us to work for its reformation, to seek to allow the word of Christ to challenge, to change, to transform us, to become more and more the institutions and organisations that Christ envisaged and wanted us to be. Jesus wasn't giving up on organised religion. Rather, he wanted it to transform it. He, wasn't, it was, he didn't believe that faith was merely a private matter. He didn't want the institution to be a source of power to manipulate and control others. Rather, he was about reforming it, that it became a place of encounter with God. And yet, when it comes to Jesus, he's far more than just a religious reformer. When we looked at the story of the water into wine we saw that Jesus says my time has not yet come I'm not about making lots of wine rather this is a pointer to the grace and truth that is yet to come to the abundance and blessing and joy that I will bring about when my kingdom comes in its fullness. And in this incident again Jesus wants to point us forward to what he's really doing because Jesus didn't come just to reform the temple, but actually he came to replace the temple with something better, a better way to come to God and encounter God. Jesus came to be the temple. And actually there's been hints of that, of that already in John's Gospel. Um, so if you go back to John chapter 1, verse 51, not very far before um, our present passage, um, Jesus is with his first disciples. There's these first days of conversation with them. Uh, and it finishes him with, with him saying this at the very end of chapter one, he says, um, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man, going up and coming down, angels coming on the Son of Man. Uh, the Son of Man was a phrase that Jesus used to describe himself. And of course, what was he doing? He he was reflecting back on that dream, that vision of Jacob, and he was saying, I, the Son of Man, I am the gate of heaven. I am the house of God. If you want to encounter God, you go to Jesus. He is the way. And actually, when you go back to the beginning of John's Gospel, um, in chapter 1, verse 14, what does Jesus say there? What does John say about Jesus there? He talks about him as the word, the word that was there from the beginning with God and was God. And he says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And when it says there, um, the one who dwelt among us, actually the, the word in Greek is the word that means tabernacles. It refers right back to that tabernacle, that tent of God in the wilderness in other words it's saying that just as the tabernacle was a sign of god's presence with his people god with them so jesus is god with us jesus is god dwelling and living amongst us god is jesus is where you encounter god for yourself he's become the house of god and now in this passage when the authorities in jerusalem in the temple not surprisingly challenge jesus about his um his riotous um, protest against the way they're running the temple and says what authority do you have jesus to do this and he responds with a kind of riddle he says to them destroy this temple and i will raise it again in three days uh, and they think he's talking about the building. How can you destroy this building that's taken 46 years to build, this incredibly impressive building? How can you destroy that and build it again in three days? Don't be ridiculous, Jesus. And he a riddle that obviously stuck in the minds of his followers. And when they destroyed Jesus, and then Jesus rose again on the third day, The disciples remembered what he said and they realised the temple he was talking about wasn't the building in Jerusalem but his body. Jesus is the temple. The one who replaces the temple in Jerusalem. Jesus is where you encounter God. Jesus is Become, became the sacrifice that dealt with our sins to replace all the sacrifices in the temple of animals. Jesus is the one who we can pray to God for help and support. Jesus becomes the way, the truth and the life. You see, at the heart of Christianity isn't an institution isn't an organization. It isn't the church. It's not vicars. It's not bishops or archbishops or popes. And the heart of the Christian faith is Jesus Christ. Not an institution, but a person. And He is the way to God. He is how you encounter God. And the church is there. And when it does things right, the church is about bringing people to Jesus and showing them that He is the way. When the church goes wrong and he's reforming, it's when it becomes a block to people coming to Jesus, or even worse, sometimes pretends to be the way itself. But to truly come to follow Jesus means this: is not to become a member of an institution but to become a child of God and the brother of Jesus Christ. It's not to be controlled by people, but to learn how to be led by Jesus. And it's not to be content with a failing organisation, but to work for the restoration of Christ's Church, his people. Will you become a follower of Christ? Will you come to him, to the house of God? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for this teaching. And we pray that you would help us not to reject institutional or organised religion, but to come to the centre of the faith that you brought about, to come to Jesus, the true temple, and with him, to work, to look for the reformation of all institutions and organisations, that they may truly point people and bring people to Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. Amen.